to just be a blessing to us. You know, what do, we, what do you want us to bring? And I said, well, we don't want you to bring anything. We, we just want to be a blessing to you. Amen. And uh, we always have plenty of food, right? And so, uh, I mean, I see all the food going out, which is great. You know, we don't waste anything. Uh, and so if they eat, if they eat their share of it, there'll still be plenty of food going out, I'm sure. So, um, but that'll be good to be a blessing to them uh, and just let them know that uh, we appreciate them and, and all that they do. And, um, uh, and so, um, let's see. And, and so Ladies Fellowship is uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, right? So what do you know what the date is on that? 25th. The 25th. So the 25th, is it going to be here at the church at 11 o'clock? Okay, and bring finger foods, all right? So Ladies Fellowship here on uh, June the 25th at 11 a.m. and bring finger foods, right? Uh, and so uh, I think that's all the announcements, right? Um, so just uh, continue to be in deep intercession to get the work of the uh, church done here. <laughs> and so, uh, but uh, I'm real pleased with how it's, how it's turning out, you know? I just... Uh, um, I'm ready for it to be done, amen. Uh, and so, of course, we're up here a lot during the day, just uh, doing things that are not related to that, but just running wires and and things that uh, it's not part of their responsibility. But um, uh, but we'll get it, amen. And so, um, and uh, okay, well, let's see. I guess in about three and a half weeks, we'll have uh, Larry, Reverend Larry Hutton here from uh, Georgia, and so uh, looking forward to him. And uh, you don't know if I told you not, but uh, of course I've known him, or you know, we, I say I know him. I mean, we, we have talked uh, several times, you know, when he would visit my pastor's church. And so we knew each other on a casual basis. And, um, and he told me that, uh, you know, he's been in ministry for many years, and he said he, he's not looking for any new places to minister, right? Because a lot of times he's traveling ministers, once you get to a certain. Uh, experience in a ministry you know you pretty much can go to to the same churches each year and you can fill up your whole calendar and they can go and in in part into those ministries and so uh, a lot of times they don't they're not looking for new places to go necessarily uh, and he said you know i'm not looking for any new places he said but if the lord um it puts a connection there in my heart with somebody then you know i'll pursue that and and uh, that's how we ended up uh, together and and um so he's i think it'll be a good fit for us and um, um, uh, so we'll see. Amen. Uh, looking forward to seeing him and, and um, hopefully his wife Liz will get to come with, with him as well. Amen. Uh, and, um, and hello to all the folks at Facebook, right? So we've got, uh, always got a few folks watching with us on Facebook there. So, um, but why don't we pray when we get into the word tonight? So, Father, we thank you for uh, your word. Father, that you spent so, so much time preparing uh, to move by your spirit, Father, in the hearts of men, to write these words down for our benefit. And Father, we thank you that uh, it's concise, Father, that it's, uh, it's accurate, that no errors in the word of God. And we thank you for that, Father, that you were so good to provide that for us and that our faith can be built upon what you said in your word. And we can, we can treat it like a contract, Father, because you put a great emphasis into it and then sealed it by your blood. And we thank you for that, Father. And we thank you for the Spirit of God that dwells in us, that grants us revelation and insight into your word. And we depend upon him to lead us and guide us in all truth and to reveal and to teach and to instruct. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, praise God. Well, let's open up the, our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We'll get started there today. And, you know, the Bible, it's, uh, the Bible's got 66 uh, books in it and uh, written by, I don't know, uh, I guess I could find out, uh, a bunch of different authors, though, over a span of thousands of years. And yet, from a doctrinal standpoint, it's, it's coherent, it's consistent, it just tells the same story throughout. It doesn't shift gears. You know, all of a sudden, you know, there's four people in the Godhead. There's always a trinity. Amen. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the need for, for repentance and forgiveness of sins and the cleansing from those sins is consistent throughout. The need for a Messiah is found through all the books of the Bible as you go through and, and prophecies uh, written down hundreds of years before they came to pass. Uh, and just, I mean, just the Bible itself, just the words that are written in it are, are a miracle to, to know that, that the Lord had shepherded this information over thousands of years from all, all different kinds of people uh, and uh, put it together in such a way that it was consistent and you can follow the, uh, the thread of redemption through the, the whole uh, Bible and see the consistent will and plan of God as you go through there. And so, you know, the Bible is an amazing book just from a, from a, even a purely secular standpoint that uh, anybody who uh, is interested in, in understanding why the Christian faith is so uh, prevalent, all they have to do is understand how accurate the Bible is, how consistent it is in doctrine throughout the, throughout the scriptures. And I, know I talked to one person one time and said, well, you know, the Bible is full of contradictions. And they were just kind of talking and going on. And normally, you know, I let stupid people say stupid things. I don't, I don't really say much about it. But, you know, in that case, I just... You know, I, I, I interrupted him. I said, well, that's not true. Uh, the Bible is not full of contradictions, and you may just not understand some things. Uh, and there are plenty of things that we may not understand and know how to uh, bring them together, but that doesn't mean it's full of contradictions, amen? It may, there may be contradictions in your understanding, but, you know, if you're basing it upon your own intellect, uh, then you're going to be limited in what man can understand. And so, uh, so there are no contradictions in the Word of God. Uh, and um, uh, it, and it's the foundation of all that we believe, amen? It's the foundation of all that we know of the Lord. Uh, and anything that the Spirit of God uh, tells us and reveals to us, it will always be in line with the Word, amen? And that should bring us great comfort as Christians because there are a lot of people who, who will do things that are not biblical, not just, you know, the, the, the balance of that is there are, there are signs and wonders and miracles that the Lord has yet to do in the earth that he will do at some point in the, time, in the future. And those are things that, that there's no stories about those things. Amen. Uh, uh, but uh, it's okay because they're just signs and wonders and miracles. They're not doctrine. They're just things that, that will, will make us wonder, right? That's why there's called a wonder. Uh, and a sign from, from the Lord that he's still doing the things that he chooses to do. Uh, and so those things will happen, uh, but they're never creating new doctrine. But if someone comes along and starts creating new doctrine, you know, there's been a doctrine that, for example, 1 John is not written to the church, so it doesn't apply to, to you and me. Uh, well, that's a fairly new doctrine, right? Uh, anybody ever heard that doctrine of people saying those things? You know, it's, there's some, even some ministers that are worldwide today, worldwide known ministers today on TV who say that 1 John is not written to the church. Uh, and, you know, if you look at, well, that's really odd. Why would somebody care that First John was not written to the church? And the root of it is First John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you for sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
Uh, and so, because that verse is in there, they, their doctrine is Christians don't have to repent. Because if you're a Christian, you can do no wrong. Which is kind of odd because, I mean, if you just forget First John and go through all the New Testament, their repent is, is used lots of times. Amen. The word repent to the church is written lots of times. Uh, and regardless of 1 John 1, 9. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so in order to, to establish their doctrine, which is in error, they have to change the word of God. And, and so uh, I'm always suspicious when people say things like that because it, uh, there's ulterior motives. Amen. The ulterior motive is I do no sin, so everything I do is perfectly fine with the Lord. And yet, why is Galatians chapter 5 in there, right? I mean, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but he also talks about the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And he gives a whole list of terrible things, right? And, and that, those lists of terrible sins is found throughout all the New Testament. You know, there's, there's, uh, I mean, I'm not interested in really making a list of all the sins that the New Testament uh, catalogs because if you're trying to make a law of here's all the things I can't do according to the New Testament uh, with the assumption that if it's not in the list, then I'm, I'm, it's okay to do it. Well, it's not okay to do it just because it's not on the list, Amen. Because there are sins that, that creative evil minds will come up with tomorrow that nobody's thought about doing before today, right? Uh, and so just because that sin is not listed in the Word of God doesn't mean it's okay to do it, amen? Uh, and so, so we take the Word of God as a foundation, and then the Spirit of God uh, will lead us into the truth of the Word. So if there's a new sin that's not listed in the Word of God, how do we know it's a sin? Well, the Spirit of God will tell us it's a sin. Uh, and He will give us a general principle of, you know, uh, for example, walking in love. So there's no, there's no scripture in the word of God says, thou shalt not steal somebody else's car, is there? Because there were no cars. So, uh, you know, and that, I know that you can say, well, that, you know, you could say that accounts for horses or donkeys or whatever. I know, I understand that. But the point is that there are sins that people do today that were never listed in the word of God. And you can't say that, uh, because it's not listed from a legal standpoint, then it's okay to do that because it will violate some principle of the Word of God. And one great principle of the Word of God is walking in love. Amen? And if you walk in love, will you ever do anything to harm your fellow man? Will you do anything to subvert them or to make them look bad or to, to uh, talk behind their back or gossip about them or whatever the thing is? There's a lot of things that we do that may not be covered specifically in the Word of God for that sin, but... The general principle of walking in love is always true. Amen. In fact, uh, James calls it the royal law, the royal, royal law of love, because it's the law that kings follow. And we are the kings of the Lord, and we should follow the law of love. Amen. Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, and really, you know, the law, uh, in fact, uh, uh, Paul said in other places that uh, in, in the book of Romans, that if you, if you, if you, uh, if you walk in love, you fulfill the whole law. So really, walking in love is the best thing you can do. I know, you know, it comes and goes. You know, you, people come around and give you a Ten Commandments, you know, uh, poster. You've got to hang this on your wall, right? Or they get the little yard signs, Ten Commandment yard signs. You've got to put this in your yard. Well, we don't follow the Ten Commandments. We follow the One Commandment, which covers the Ten Commandments, but covers everything else too, right? And so it's actually better than the Ten Commandments because uh, people were always looking at the Ten Commandments to not to follow them many times, but to find a loophole. Is what, is what I want to do found in the Ten Commandments? No. Okay, then it's okay to do that. Amen. Well, it's not necessarily okay to do that if it violates the law of love. Amen. And so, 
uh, so we thank the Lord for, for his word, amen. We thank the Lord for what he's, what he's provided for us and, and the amazing word that he's given to us. So we're here in Philippians chapter 2, and we're talking about the Lord Jesus. Uh, and um, we've been on verses 9 and 10 for just a few weeks here. It says uh, in verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So we talked a little bit about the, the name of Jesus, and I'm going to talk some more about it in just a minute. Uh, but um, uh, where does our authority reside? It resides in the name of Jesus, right? Does it reside in any other Christian thing, right? I mean, uh, uh, does it reside in the Word of God? Does it reside in the blood of Jesus? Does it reside in holy water? Does it reside in uh, anointing oil? Does it reside in anything else? It resides in the name of Jesus. And and that would keep our, if we could, if we could follow that, because it's true, because you said, in my name, right, that shall cast out devils. Uh, and, uh, and then we see in the book of Acts, the examples where Peter would say, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then another time in Acts chapter 9, he, he raised somebody from the dead in the name of Jesus. And so he didn't do it with any other thing. He didn't do it with a scroll. He didn't do it by calling on Mother Mary, or he didn't do it by any other uh, methods that uh, sometimes we see in the Hollywood church where we want to be dramatic, right, and have, have a great reveal uh, of some, some new dramatic way of doing things. Uh, and the problem is the, the attention is on that thing, right? The attention is on, on whatever that event is or that method is, and it's never on the Lord Jesus. And that's, and that's one way to tell when we talked earlier about that there will be signs and wonders that are not listed in the Word of God that should be okay. The easy, easiest way to judge that is who's getting the glory for that. If the man is getting the glory for that, then it's not of God. It doesn't matter if it's even a good thing. If, if it's, hey, look at me, then it's not of God. Amen? Uh, if the attention is on, on the thing, then it's not of God. It's on that thing, right? And God's not going to share his glory. And, and you know, we've talked about, uh, remember the, the oil Bible, right, that came through a few years ago? Came through Dayton, right? Uh, it was a it was a magic Bible, and I'm not going to say it was a supernatural Bible, because that's what they wanted you to believe, but they, it was really a magic Bible, and it would, it would uh, express oil. And they called it the oil of the Lord. And they put it in little bottles, and they said, if, if, you, you know, if you get this little vial of this oil, it'll never run out. And, you know, I mean, I, I was trained as an engineer. You know the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to open up and pour it out and see what's going to You know, I mean, it's not that I'm unbelieving. It's like I want to... You know, and someone came to, to the church right here and said, hey, you know, I could, it'll never run out. It's like, I'd like to call them right now and say, hey, how's that little vial doing? Because it's, you know, what they found out, it was tractor supply oil. Uh, and last time I checked, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, uh, of course, you can use anything for anointing oil. It doesn't really say it has to be oil from, pressed from virgin uh, olives in, uh, on the banks of the Jordan River or anything like that. Uh, but, you know. Typically, you would use some kind of natural oil instead of man-made oil uh, to do that. It just seems like it would be right to do that, I guess. But, uh, um, and so, uh, so it was a fraud. But the, the thing, you know, when I heard about it and just looked into it a little bit, all the attention was on what? It was on the Bible and the oil, right? It wasn't on Jesus. It was on this Bible and the oil. Hey, come to our church. Bring your Bible with the oil. Hey, come to our church and, and, and you know, bring some extra cups and we'll, you know, uh, we'll get some of this oil here. Uh, and, and um, uh, you know, I don't know. Now, I didn't say, I didn't say, you know, when it was going on, uh, I, didn't, I didn't call anybody up and say, hey, you know, that's really dumb, right? Uh, 
but um, we didn't invite those people here. And, and I'm not mad at anybody. You know, when I read about it, you know, sometimes it's about money and position. It seems like the, these folks really got in over their head and, and you know, they kind of faked it to begin with and in hoping nobody would notice, but then everybody noticed. And so it became a machine that they kept on feeding and didn't know how to get out of this cycle. And uh, I mean, it's still wrong, but um, uh, it, it's, um, uh, it's amazing what the, uh, what the church will fall for. And, and to me, the biggest issue isn't even that. The biggest issue wasn't the fact that there was a Bible with oil. The biggest issue to me is how much leadership in the church fell for that. You know, as leaders of the church, we're supposed to have a certain level of, of awareness and spiritual insight and discernment. Not, 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 not the gift of discernment, but just spiritual discernment of is this right or wrong, you know. Uh, and to be fooled like that, uh, because if, if I get fooled, how many of you all reckon will get fooled along with me? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle you or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, you're, you're trained to... If the pastor says something that, you know, maybe there's some value in it, right? Maybe I'll go double check it to make sure, which is fair. But if I got up and said, hey, we're bringing in, you know, we're bringing in Larry Hutton. Well, hopefully you all be, well, he must be a pretty good minister if the pastor's going to bring him in. Amen. And he comes in and starts, you know, doing weird things. You'd be like, well, I guess it's okay because pastor invited him, right? But if he gets up and does weird things, we'll have to shut him down and, and say, well, <laughs> but he won't. You know, he, he, he's, he's a great fellow. But uh, so... It's just, uh, it's interesting that, uh, that the, the concern I have is why is it important for us as the church to do things that are not biblical? I mean, we, it says right here that, that uh, he's been given a name that's above every name uh, and that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess because of that name, that he is Lord. And so, and so that's the deal, right? That's the deal. So why is it important for the church so often to well, I don't like that deal. I want a different deal. You know, I don't, that deal's not cool enough. I want a deal, to get a deal that's more sophisticated or more, you know, exciting or more, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the, what the word is, right? I mean, how much more exciting can it be that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow? That's pretty exciting to me, right? I mean, it's pretty exciting to me. I can, I've got a name that's with me everywhere I go, and I can, I can pull that name out and be a name dropper and, and every situation uh, falls in line. That's a pretty sweet deal. But sometimes that's not good enough. And why is that? I never, I don't understand why that's not good enough. I mean, I know the flesh and carnality and a lot of that stuff is, is a lot of the issue many times. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I think most Christians just want to do right. Uh, but sometimes we in the, in the leadership of the church will, will mislead you all uh, and, and it's not even, it's, you know, I don't believe there was any intention, you know, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mislead all my people by bringing this oil Bible into the church. But it just, uh, uh, why is that important, right? Why is it important? Uh, uh, and, and so uh, that's going to be between them and the Lord Jesus. You know, I'll let them deal with that. But um, uh, for me, it's really important to me, what does the Word say? What does the Bible say? And there's so much in the Word of God it's so fulfilling, it's so complete and all-encompassing that to me, there's no need to, to add to some weird thing, you know, uh, and um, why do we have to do those things? And, and I, you know, I understand that, you know, well, that draws people. Well, you know, it does. It draws the kind of the, all the cereal people, right? The flakes and the nuts and the, and the you know, uh, all those uh, Fruit Loops, you know, all the, it brings them in, you know, we have breakfast every time at church, right? 
Uh, and so, uh, and, and to me, that's one of the one of the disadvantages of the charismatic church is we we tend to love um, all of us hype, right? We tend to love things that are unusual and different and weird. And uh, I mean, we we speak in tongues and run around the church and dance in the Holy Ghost and, and laugh in the Lord. To me, that's already weird enough. But sometimes that's not weird enough for us, right? We got to be even more weird than that. And I mean, it's you know they already think we're kind of loony, but uh, because we do those things. Yeah, and they and they well you know I can't believe you speak in tongues well I can't believe you don't you know and uh, and so um, uh, for me I always go back to the word if I see something like that I go back to the word and like on the on the oil Bible you know I go back to the word and 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 the word to me says who's getting the glory amen who's getting the glory uh, and Jesus is the only one worthy to be worshipped and if I'm worshiping worshiping a a cow Bible made out of leather and I don't know if it's a leather bound was it bonded leather? Was it real leather? I don't know. You know, I mean, what, what kind of Bible was it, right? And who, who was the, you know, they came from a factory, right? It wasn't like it was a handwritten scroll from Israel. Some factory made that Bible. And so, you know, I don't know. It just, uh, uh, our authority resides in the name of Jesus. And, and uh, I'm okay with that. Amen. I'm okay with it not being any other way. I'm not interested in trying any other methods. I'm not, well, let's see, what, why would I try and see if any other methods work? Uh, it's already a name that's above every name. In what realm would you get something better than that, right? Because he said uh, that uh, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. So every realm that, that could be that is in the, in the area of creation is covered in the name of Jesus. So there's nowhere you can go that the name of Jesus is not sufficient. So, uh, and, and, and so we'll talk some more about that in just, in just a minute. The other part that, uh, um, when I was looking back at my notes, that, uh, uh, where it says that God has also highly exalted him, we talked about that word exalted is unique only to the Lord Jesus, that he was highly exalted. So he's exalted above everyone else. There, no, we will never be exalted that much, right? But we do know that the word of God says that we can be exalted, right? If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time and due season. And so... And that's okay, right? So it's okay to be exalted. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, you know, um, uh, maybe it'd be good just to look at a couple of verses here. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 23. Because we, we have such a hard time in the church of just going with the word. Amen? We, did, we say these weird things and we have these weird ideas of, you know, one of the weirdest ideas is, well, God doesn't want to prosper us. Isn't that a weird idea? That's the weirdest thing to me that God doesn't want to prosper you. And yet you go out on the work side on Monday morning and if you're, or on Friday afternoon, if your paycheck is a penny off, you're going to talk to somebody. You're not going to put up with that. You're not going to take a penny from me. I mean, you, you know, people would just, you know, go in their bosses. You know, you fix this right now. Uh, it, they, they wouldn't get shortchanged, but then God doesn't want to prosper them. And so... Uh, why are they pursuing prosperity so much in the natural realm but won't pursue prosperity from the Lord, right? So we're not going to talk about prosperity, but it's just, that's just, to me, it's a really, really odd thing, right? Uh, and so here in Matthew chapter 23, of course, the Lord's uh, speaking here. He said, and whosoever, uh, verse 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So uh, is that a true verse? That's a true verse, right? Uh, and so, of course, what's the issue? The issue is when, when I'm trying to exalt myself. Yep. I'm in charge. I'm so much, I'm so much better than you. Uh, and 
you know, and I see that in the, in the body of Christ a lot where, especially in, in my ranks, right, in the ranks of the ministry, I see that and it's so distasteful to me that I see people that, you know, I, I don't know how to, I don't know what to, what to do or say about it. And, you know, and I don't even want to already say much about it, but it just, there, there's such a Hollywood mentality in the ministry, you know, like Elvis has entered the building, you know, and just, you know, and people rushing the stage with, with flowers and things, you know, and I mean, it's just, there, there's a lot of that in the church. Have you noticed any of that in the church? It's just a lot of that in, in the church. And, and just, uh, it's just, you know, we're made out of dirt, literally made out of dirt. I mean, Adam came from the dirt, right? So it wasn't like he was, you know, the stars came from the hand of God, the voice of the Lord. He spoke it into existence. And, but we're made from dirt. I mean, literally, you know, it's just... Uh, <laughs> How, in what realm are we worthy to be worshipped in any at all, right? And so, uh, so there, there, it is true that you cannot exalt yourself. And when you try to exalt yourself, you're trying to bring glory unto yourself. Amen? Uh, and, and it's such a, it's such a uh, subtle thing because it's so easy to fall into that trap of, man, I'm somebody, right? Uh, and, and you think, you know, Paul talks about this in First Timothy where he said, don't put a novice in office. Uh, where, you know, maybe you're 20 years old and, and suddenly you're the pastor of a 2,000-member of a church. Well, you know, a 20-year-old's probably not got the wisdom to handle a 2,000-member church, right? And, and they would be considered a novice. And, and, and he said, don't do that because the, the devil will get in there and, and, and basically mess with them, right? Because it's easy to think, look what I've done. All, i got 2,000 people here. I must be somebody. I must be really important. I've got 2,000 people here. And even if you did it yourself, you know, uh, it would be, it's a temptation. Because, you know, I think about you all a lot too. What would happen to our church if we had 100 people come to church tomorrow? 500 people to church tomorrow. What would your heart do? What would my heart do, right? What would we think about ourselves? Would we suddenly go, it's about time, you know, somebody recognized how good of a church this is and how much faith we teach and how, you know, awesome we are. It's about time. People, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the question, right? What would you do? What would I do? Uh, would, would, and see, you can exalt yourself and nobody know it but you and the Lord. You, you can, uh, and so it's a warning, right? Jesus said, if you exalt yourself, you will be abased, right? In other words, he will take his hand off of you and, and will just let it, you know, let the chips fall where they may. He said, but, uh, or and there, he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So uh, humbling ourselves, of course, you know, a lot of times the, the aura of humility is, uh, you know, you can never bring attention to yourself. You're, you're, you're always no count. You're worthy. Oh, you know, don't give me anything. I'm so unworthy. You know, that, that's not humility. Humility is staying under and is staying under the Lord. And if you stay under the Lord, see, then, because when you exalt yourself, what are you doing? You're putting yourself above the Lord, right? Uh, I, I'm somebody. I am an, I'm an important person. And you all need to bow down to me, right? And we would never say it that way, but sometimes our actions kind of imply that, right? Uh, I know Brother Hagen told uh, a story of a pastor that uh, started a church. And the pastor was kind of enamored by these traveling ministers who kind of swoop in and swoop out, you know, during, right after the service, right? So uh, you have big service and a strong anointing, and, and, you know, the minister exits stage right. 
And I understand some, sometimes it's good to do that because, you know, if there's, especially if there's a heavy anointing, it, it's, it's, it's better to just go off by yourself for a, a period of time and, and let the, kind of that wane. Uh, and that's fine, right? And I, I have no problem with that. But, he, but for him, it was more of the celebrity status, right? That I'm here, I've swooped in, I'm going to solve all your problems, and the bell rings, swoop out, right? Don't talk to nobody, don't, don't fellowship with the riffraff, you know, all you unclean masses, you know, don't, we don't want to touch any of y'all, you know, it might get something on me or whatever. And, uh, and, and uh, I remember when we were in Africa, we'd be praying for people, and we'd get done, and, and all the ministers would go over there and get hand sanitizer, you know? And, and it's like, really? I mean, <laughs> I mean, whatever, but uh, <laughs> it just... It is just something that struck me as odd about that, right? I mean, we're going to go, uh, well, you got to stay clean, you know. Well, I thought we were clean, you know. And, and, and so uh, it just, uh, uh, but anyway, that, that pastor wanted the celebrity status of, of the, the position, but he didn't want the actual responsibility of being a pastor because being a pastor, you know, if you get past the word pastor, it's a shepherd, right? You go find real shepherds, you know, they smell like the sheep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it's like you, you, you walk by a sheep and go, wow, that sheep stinks. And you go by the pastor, he smells exactly the same, right? And that's, you know, when the pastor smells like a sheep, that's a real pastor right there, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, you, you've, so to stay humble just says, Lord, I'm right here. And whatever you want me to do, Lord, that's what I'll do. Uh, and the Lord said, if you, if you stay the course... And, and that can be difficult, right? Because humility says you've got to stay the course. Humility says remain under. Well, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, then you're not remaining under. Uh, people all the time are like, well, I want this, I want that. You know, people would talk to Brother Hagin all the time as a traveling minister and would say, Brother Hagin, let me know if you, if you hear of any big churches that come open. I want, a big, I want to pastor a big church. Well, why do they want to pastor a big church? Because they get a big salary, they get a big car, they get a big house, you know. And that, that, it wasn't about the people, it was about their bank account and of course he would never let them know about those things uh, but see to, to remain humble uh, and you know one thing that I did for years and I, and I still do it you know I ran sound for my pastor for 20 years and um, but I knew someday I'd be in the ministry uh, but I wasn't in the ministry and so you know some people if they know they're supposed to be somewhere someday they won't do any they won't do what they're doing right now with any uh, uh, with any quality at all, right? Uh, no count. They do no count with a job. That's what I'm trying to say. No count with the job that they're in because they don't want to be there. They want to be somewhere else. But see, the somewhere else comes with the exaltation of the Lord. It doesn't come by you, uh, you know, shucking and jiving and, and, and you know, positioning yourself and, and, and working the crowd. And see, that's not, uh, you let the Lord do those things, right? Uh, Psalm 127 says, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that do what? that build it right so they build it i mean you can build an empire you can build things but it's in vain of no value amen and so uh, so i would tell the lord i would walk in the sound booth and i'd say lord if you want me to run sound the rest of my life i'll do that and i and i, I can't tell you how many probably hundreds of times i prayed that prayer because i'm going to stay humble i'm going to stay in the position until until the time the lord says it's time to not do that and there was a time when he said, it's time to not do that. Fine, no problem. But see, I never had to struggle with, well, I don't like this job anymore. You know, they treated, you know, and maybe my experience as a sound man was, was unique. I don't know, you know. But they treated me like dirt. I mean, you're just like, wow, the worst, you know, just 
so mean to me, you know, and, and um, you know, at least, at least toward the end of it. Uh, and and, um, and they never have called and apologized or repented, you know, and, and which I just think, you know, sometimes I wonder, what's the point of being a Christian if you don't want to actually act like a Christian? You know what I'm saying? Well, why do you want to be a Christian if you don't want to be a Christian? Uh, you know, what's the value of, of saying you're a Christian if you don't actually be a Christian and, and walk in love and, and tell the truth and be honest and, and be kind to your neighbor and when you disagree with somebody, still walk in love, amen? You know, I can disagree with people and just not hate them. Uh, in our society today, if, if you disagree with me, I hate you. Uh, and you're evil. And you're a racist, bigot, homophobe. I mean, what, they just give you all kinds of terrible names. And, you know, they call us those things because we in the church don't side up with all their sin, right? Uh, isn't it in this month Pride Month, right? <laughs> you know, it's like that's a perfect name for it, right? Because they're full of pride, amen? Because pride is taking yourself out of the position where you're, where you're supposed to be, right? And that's the opposite of humility. So humility is staying in the position you're supposed to be in. Pride is taking yourself out of that position. Uh, and and, that, and that, that's exactly what they are, full of pride. They're out of the position where they're supposed to be. So it's a perfect name, thank you, except for they did hijack our rainbow, right? It's not their rainbow, it's our rainbow. The Lord made it, not them. Uh, and so uh, that's another whole discussion there. But, but Jesus said, he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So is the Lord against his people ever being exalted? Is the Lord against his people ever being you know, and, and exalted, you know, there's no, you can't define exactly what it is. It just means to go into a place higher than you are right now. So what does that mean? It just, well, it just means whatever it means. It means whatever the Lord decides to exalt you, it could be exalted. Remember, Paul said, I was exalted with, with, uh, with knowledge and revelation. Well, that's one way to be exalted. But also Paul was exalted of everybody knew Paul. Uh, and, and a lot of people were jealous because everybody knew Paul. Uh, and so, uh, well, who did that? It was the Lord's doing. It wasn't Paul's doing. Paul was just doing what he was doing, you know, and, and for years. Paul was a prophet teacher. It wasn't until Acts 13 that he became the Apostle Paul. So he got saved in Acts 9. From Acts 9 to Acts 13, he was a prophet teacher. He wasn't an apostle. Uh, and, and, and so, but he just kept on, I mean, immediately, as soon as he got saved, he started preaching the gospel. Amen. Uh, and then the Lord exalted him over time. So anything wrong with being exalted? No, the thing that you have to guard in your heart is, are you trying to do it yourself? Or uh, are you changing when you get exalted that now I'm, I'm somebody, right? And, uh, and um, you know, when we went down to, to Hickson to, to those meetings, I was talking to the pastor. He said, well, I want you to sit on the front row. I'm like, that's fine. I said, as long as you get us some, you know, uh, water from the springs of Italy and some of those little mints that we like, those mints there, you know, and because and, uh, it's joking, right? I, mean, I don't yeah, I don't need any of that stuff because I'm fine sitting on the back row, you know. But, but I don't care sitting on the front row either because some people say, oh, I'm not going to sit on the front row. Well, what's wrong with sitting on the front row? If the, if, the, if the pastor asks you to sit on the front row, is there anything wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that, you know, unless, I, unless so, you know, I'm like, you know, strutting down all the aisle and go, where's my seat on the front row, you know? And, and people are like that, you know. And I've seen it plenty of times, plenty of times where somebody struts in and where is my seat on the front row? I can't tell you how many times that, uh, didn't Jesus talk about that when you go to a wedding, right? Don't take the place of honor, take the place of dishonor, and then let somebody else bring you to the place of honor. If that's, I mean, he literally just told that story, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the teaching of our Lord. You don't go and sit on the front row, well, this is my spot, because they'll become like, a, well, that's the head usher's seat, you can't sit there, right? And then then wouldn't, wouldn't that be embarrassing? But uh, no, you don't. But, but some people, they will, I don't, I'm not sitting on the front row. You know, my pastor was that way some. 
I'm going to sit in the front row. They come up to him, hey, you know, we'd like to have you come sit on the front row. Now, is there, any, is there more anointing on the front row? Does God love the front row more than the second row? Well, I'm pretty sure he does, but do you say yes? You said yes? Yeah. <laughs> we have an usher in the house. We need, we, we need, we need some. Uh, we need some. And of course, there's only one person on the front row right now, right? So, yeah. Uh, there, it, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, it just doesn't matter, right? If they want me to sit in the front row, fine. If they don't want me to sit in the front row, it's fine, right? I mean, it, it's not even a thing. Uh, and um, as soon as we think we deserve it, you know, see, then we step out of humility. Because if I think I deserve it, then I'm exalting myself. But if someone wants to come and do that, you know, and we'll do that. When we have guests come in, you know, we seat, we seat our guest ministers on the front row. We don't sit them on the, you know, on the back row because the back row is always full anyway, right? So, <laughs> so uh, we want to, that's our way, a small way to honor them, right? It's not, it's, it doesn't change anything, but, but does the Lord desire to exalt his people, right? Not just the ministers, but his people, he does. And he will exalt you in whatever way he chooses to by name recognition, by revelation, by the, the spiritual gifts. However he chooses to do it, we should be fine with it. Amen? And we should never look over at somebody else. Well, Lord, I want to be exalted like them. See, then that gets into jealousy and envy, and we get into error, don't we, right? So, um, so of course, Jesus said that a couple of different times. He that also in Luke. Um, uh, he, a couple of times in Luke. Uh, and then um, uh, in First uh, Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. That's the same exact word exalt that Jesus used there in, Ma- in Matthew 23. So humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So again, I will stay under. That's what humility means, stay under, right? So people say, I'm, I'm, I'm worthy, I'm no count. That's not staying under. That's actually pride because I am not unworthy and no count. I'm a child of the living God. Blood was shed for me. I am a king and a priest, Amen. Now, I know I'm, I'm, uh, I am undeserving of the things that he's given to me. I didn't earn them, but he has given them to me, right? And so I'm not going to refuse. Lord, please don't give me any, any, any blessings at all. That would be foolish, and that would be uh, prideful to do that. Because a humble person, when the Lord says, I want to exalt you, I want to give you this thing, I want to be a blessing to you, then a person of faith will say, yes, sir, I'll be glad to receive that. Uh, a prideful person will, no, Lord, I don't, I don't want any of those worldly goods. You don't want food, you don't want water, you don't want a place to sleep, you don't want a pillow that's not a rock, you know, I mean, what do you mean you don't, that, that, that doesn't, mean, doesn't mean anything, right? Uh, you ever seen singers get up here, oh, don't look at me, I'm just a humble servant of the Lord. Well, who am I supposed to look at? I mean, you know, I mean, it'd be like, oh, none of you, be, don't be looking at me, don't be looking at me, I'm, I'm nobody. Well, who else are you going to look at? I'm the one speaking, right? I'm, uh, I'm not the one singing, but, uh, uh, and so sometimes we get kind of silly about those things, right? So, so is it okay to be exalted? It's perfectly fine to be exalted, right? I mean, we saw several scriptures, at least four different scriptures in the New Testament where it says it's perfectly fine to be exalted if the Lord's doing it, amen? And so don't fake humility uh, by saying, oh, no, Lord, don't, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't exalt me, you know? Uh, you know, they would talk about Brother Hagin. If you, you know, we've always followed Brother Hagin's ministry, if you look at his ministry, for 30 years, he was in a ministry for 30 years, he didn't have an office, didn't have any staff, had no payroll. It was just him and his wife, and they would, do, they would ship out materials from their living room. Didn't even have a, an office with a secretary or anything, right? So 30 years. And then in a span of just a few short years, 
he went from that to being a worldwide well-known uh, minister. So tens and millions, probably by now, hundreds of millions of books and tapes. Uh, you think about how much money there is in hundreds of millions of books and tapes, right? I mean, if you, if you sold one book for one dollar, that's a hundred million dollars. Most people can retire on a hundred million dollars, right? If they invest it right and don't, you know. Uh, but, um, uh, and so no telling, you know, how much money uh, that he brought in. Of course, you know, he's, he was, you know, he didn't drive, he drove a very nice car and he lived in a comfortable home, but he wasn't what he called ostentatious, you know, hey, look at me, you know, my flashy, all this stuff. Uh, but of course, one person's nice cars, another person's, you know, they get, they get envious about that. Well, you can't have too nice of a car. Well, how nice is too nice of a car, right? What's the limit? Is there a limit? I don't know what the limit is. And I'll just leave it alone. Well, so-and-so drives a, a, a Rolls Royce. Praise God, you know. I'm glad. I don't want a Rolls Royce because it probably costs $1,000 to, to change oil, you know. And, and, so, uh, and then you've got to drive to Atlanta to get it worked on, right? Well, I don't want to drive to Atlanta. You know, I want to be able to drive downtown and get somebody to work on it here. Uh, and so if I lived in Atlanta, maybe I'd drive a Rolls Royce. I don't know. Uh, but um, I really probably wouldn't. But uh, uh, it's not got nothing to do with uh, uh, pride or humility, just not interested in it. And so, uh, so just be careful. Keep your doctrine balanced in that area. Amen. Allow the Lord to exalt you if he wants to. Uh, stay humble. Say, okay, Lord, that's fine. We'll just, we're just going to keep on going. You know, and Brother Hagin went from basically complete obscurity where he'd preaching in small churches, you know, churches even our size. You know, he'd be preaching in churches like, like uh, our size. It's sometimes bigger than that. Uh, but for many years, just that's it. And then that was his circuit. And then all of a sudden, he's world-renowned. World uh, and that was before there was internet and satellite TV and anything. It was just, uh, he started the Rainbow Bible Training Center and became just, not really overnight, but over a period of a few years, became world-known. And it's because the Lord chose to do that, amen? Uh, and, and really, he's, he's, I can't tell you how many times I've heard him quote Psalm 127, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Because he said, I don't want this, you know. I, I wasn't trying to build this thing. I, I didn't want to do it to begin with. The Lord asked me to do it. Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, keep your doctrine in that uh, straight, right? Keep your doctrine in that uh, um, correct. Find the balance in that, amen? You've got to judge your own heart. I can't judge your heart for you. Uh, I can't say, well, if you get a promotion, that, that's, a, that's of God or not of God. I can't judge that. You have to decide, is that something you're pursuing to, to get glory? Or is that something that the Lord wants to choose to do on your behalf? Amen. Uh, and if it's the Lord's doing, then, then it's always full of blessing. Amen. Uh, and so, so, uh, so when it says that, that he highly exalted Jesus, so I want to just go through some of the things that happened after Jesus uh, became highly exalted. What did the Lord actually do for him? to be highly exalted. And so let's turn over to, to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start there. And there's just a few things here, but I think they're helpful because um, if we know these things, then, then uh, for me, it brings comfort to me knowing what's, what's the current role of Jesus. Amen? So and here in, in a, well, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it says... Uh, <clears throat> Of course, in verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. You know, that's in the Bible, right? Uh, but also, what's in the Bible is verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another. Uh, sometimes we love to preach verse 22 and forget that verse 21 exists in the Bible. Amen? That's another discussion for another day. But, um, uh, 
but uh, he says in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. So notice it's not the man is the head of the woman. It's the husband is the head of the wife. So this hierarchy exists only in the marriage covenant, not in humanity. Amen. So I am not the head of every woman. Some men think they are, right? Uh, and, and even the church many times for years would teach, especially in the Pentecostal church for some reason, uh, in some of the other denominations as well, as well but all, they would teach all men are above all women. Well, that's not, is that what it says? It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as, as unto the Lord, right? And so the, the key is there is as unto the Lord, right? And, and we know that because we've been taught many times that so if there's anything that's not unto the Lord, do you follow it? No. And so if your husband says, right, you're going to church too much, shut up. I'm going to church anyway, right? You know, well, you know, you can't go to church. I, I'm the man of the house. Well, you're not unto the Lord. You're not. You know, what you're saying is not unto the Lord. So, so it's not an absolute submission. It, it's, you know, a submission that's, that's uh, limited based upon is it unto the Lord. Amen. Uh, and, you know, basically from a practical standpoint, somebody's got to be in charge and the Lord picked the, the, the man to be in charge in the, in the marriage. But what does that mean? It just means... Somebody's going to make a decision, but at the end of the at the end of the day, you know, there how many wives you know are smarter than husbands? A lot of wives are smarter than husbands. So what should if the husband was really smart, what would he do? He would lean upon the wife to to decide what to do. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we take these things to be so legalistic that that uh, uh, we get way out of balance. And so because verse twenty one, submitting yourselves one to another, is still true. Amen. Uh, and so that can occur, that can actually occur in the marriage covenant. Amen. Uh, didn't the Lord tell Abraham to go listen to Sarah? You know, Abraham was out crying, whining to the Lord, you know, and the Lord said, you go back and do what Sarah told you to do. Uh, yes, sir. Right. And so, um, you think that's the last time the Lord ever wants a man to listen to a woman? No. And so, uh, we, we, we love to take things in legalistic fashion without finding the true intent of what the Lord was trying to do. Uh, but uh, verse 23, he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So one of the first things that the Lord did for Jesus is he made him the head of the church. So the whole church, right, we're the church. Amen. People like to fight, you know, and uh, we get visitors sometimes, and we, you know, we ask them to fill out visitors' cards every now and then, you know, what church are you a member of? And the, Because we don't want to steal sheep. So if they're visiting, if they're just traveling, a lot of times we get people traveling and and they'll say, I'm a member of whatever church. You know, great, you know, stay faithful to them. And, uh, but, I, but anytime I see the ones where I'm a member of the church, that means they ain't a member of no church and they're doing whatever they want to do, right? Which, which means they're not really a member of the Lord's church either because who created the local church? The head of the church did because didn't he set pastors in the church? He set pastors in the church. So pastors are over a, a sheepfold. So if, if you're not a member of a local church, who set up the local church? The head of the church did. But if you say, well, I'm a member of the church and I'm not a member of any local church, then you're saying I'm the head of the church because I'm doing what I want to do. I'm not doing what the head of the church wants to do. I'm doing what I want to do. And, if, and, and uh, you know, one of the first things I, I ask uh, traveling ministers, if I don't know them, where do you go to church when you're home? Who's your pastor? Now, if your pastor is, you know, uh, a thousand miles away, you know, and you don't even have a pastor, you don't go to a local church when you're home because, you know, sometimes you're at home on a Sunday. Well, where do you go to church when you're at home? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm resting. 
Well, you can rest when you're dead. You know, you go to you go support a local church. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so Jesus is the head of the church, uh, and you know we should. Uh, part when I'm studying the Word of God, you know, I study the Word of God not just to have something to say, but a lot of times I'm studying the Word of God for my benefit. Lord, how did you set up the local church? What's your intent when you set up the local church? Because He doesn't give you a lot of details, right? He doesn't say. I want, you know, four-inch cushions on the chairs. They've got to be set up in three rows of six each. And, you know, any details like that at all? I want to have air conditioning. It's going to be set up for 73 degrees. You know, there's a thousand decisions that the Lord didn't cover at all. Uh, and it's entirely up to us. You know, how do we want to do it? Well, well I don't know. You know, we can do it however we want to do it. Uh, and so, uh, but he gave us some general guidelines, right? Uh, go to church. That's a general guideline, right? He told us that in the book of Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He gave us the, the, the fivefold ministry gifts, but specifically the pastor. So that means every sheep, uh, if we're sheep, aren't we all sheep? Every sheep should have a pastor. Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I remember I was talking to one fellow. He knew I was a pastor, and he started getting kind of nervous. And he said, oh, I go to so-and-so church. Really? I said, what's your pastor's name? Uh, 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 if you don't know the pastor's name, you know, you don't go to church there, right? Now, I didn't say you could spell the pastor's name, right? How many here can spell my name yet? Uh, okay, well, you know, uh, I didn't see all the hands yet, but uh, it's okay. When I was with my pastor, I was with him. I'd been with him for seven years, and he still couldn't spell my name. I said, Pastor, you got to learn to spell my name. I've been with you for seven years, uh, and I, I'm not going anywhere. And he finally learned how to spell my name, so uh, it, it's okay. But you all at least know my first name, right? Uh, and then you can mumble my last name at least. Uh, and so, uh, but you know I'm Pastor Chip at least, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't know what the pastor's name is. <laughs> well, uh, so Jesus is the head of the church. So in my, in my normal Bible reading, you know, I'm reading, oh, Lord, well, you gave these ministry gifts, so why'd you give them? That's a valid question, right? And, well, you gave a pastor, so why'd you give that? Well, and, and so we should be asking, our question, asking these questions, right? You said, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. So if I, if, I, if I say I don't want to go to church, then what am I doing? I'm forsaking the assembling ourselves together. Well, I, 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 I get my church on TV. Is that assembling together? No, that's just, I mean, didn't Paul write all these, all these words? And yet he still told us to assemble ourselves together. Amen. If, if we could get it just by ourselves, then we can just get the word of God is sufficient. Is the word of God sufficient? Uh, the word of God is not sufficient according, because he said in, in Ephesians 4.11 that he gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher for the perfecting of the saints. So you cannot get perfected just you and the Bible. It's, if, if the head of the church, you know, Ephesians 4, 8 says, and he gave gifts unto men. So if Jesus gave the gifts unto men for the perfecting of the saints, which is the first responsibility, then it means if we don't do it his way, the way that the head of the church set it up, we cannot be perfected. Now, to me, that's kind of logical. You know, you kind of go through the logic of that. Does that make sense, right? Does that make sense to, well, you know, does it make sense for me to say I can just get it on my own? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't withstand any scrutiny from the Word of God because if I say I can get it on my own, then there was no need for the Lord to create a local church. There was no need for Him to create a pastor, a position of a pastor. There was no need for Him to create uh, the, the responsibility for pastors to perfect the sheep. Amen? So, so all of those things were unnecessary if I could just get it all by myself. Amen. So do you think the Lord did things that were unnecessary? No, he did things for a reason. Amen. And if he did things for a reason, then see a humble person would say, oh, if that's the way the Lord set it up, no problem. Then I'll start attending church. Amen. 
uh, a prideful person go, yeah, but I don't need, you know, I can't find anybody to teach anything. I've been looking for a church for a year. I can't find a church, you know, and, and blah, 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 you know, and, and yet, uh, and, and, I, and I remember one thing, uh, in fact, I guess it was Brother Hagin said this, and, and I've just kind of known this for a long time too, that, you know, whatever church God calls you to, that's what you're responsible to learn. Amen? Well, I don't like that church. I'm going to go to church somewhere else. I told you just recently, right, that four families left the particular church because they bought carpet, <laughs> which is really funny, right? Uh, and Because um, I always think, you know, someday I've got to stand before Jesus, right? Uh, and, and, you know, you've got to stand before Jesus too. I've got to stand. we all got to stand before Jesus. And, and one of the things he's going to ask you, you know, the only thing that matters is did you do what he said? That's it. That's the only question he's going to ask you. Did you do what I said? Then he's going to ask for specifics. Now, you know, I sent you to that church, you know, because I'm the head of the church. I know where my sheep should go. I'm going to send you to that church over there. Uh, did you go to that church? Well, I did for a while. Why'd you leave? Well, they bought carpet. I mean, how do how you reckon that conversation is going to go after that? Uh, it's going to be tough after that, right? It's going to be real. And, and you know, the Lord, you know, he, he has no problem with, with awkward silence. He could sit there and be silent for a thousand years, just look at you, you know, and just go, and you know not just not say anything you know that'd be really awkward after a while wouldn't it uh, and so so when you know when i'm reading the word of god see i remember when i got the revelation of, of sheep need a shepherd you know i didn't know that really when i got saved but i learned it over the years uh, and, and i was fine with it I, and i'm still fine with it amen the sheep need a shepherd because who set it up that way the head of the church set it up because he wasn't the head of the church before the resurrection, he got the head of the church after he was highly exalted. Amen. So he's now the head of the church. So we should be looking for how did the head of the church set things up. And, and uh, we should follow that design. Now, he doesn't give us all the specifics. Did he say what color carpet to buy? No, there's no book, chapter, verse on color. Even though some people really believe that it's got to be, it's doctrinal and scriptural about what color carpet you buy. The Lord could care less, right? In fact, we don't have no carpet in the building right now. We're supposed to have carpet, but someday we will get carpet. And did I ask you what color carpet we're going to get? No, because we're going to use the same carpet. And if you want to leave because of the carpet, it'd be like, I'm probably going to laugh at you. And I'll probably preach about you. Like, they left because they got, you know, I may not mention your name because that would be unkind, but I would still, still laugh at you, you know, because it's just absurd, right, that uh, you, you left because of carpet. I mean... And you leave because you don't believe in speaking in tongues or whatever, fine, right? I mean, you're still wrong, but, you know, uh, or if the Spirit of God says leave, time to go somewhere else. Praise God, you know, let me help you, you know, what can I do to help you? But if you leave because of carpet, you're like, well, I'm going to just laugh at you, right? So Jesus is the head of the church. He's the, he's the preeminent authority in the church. We should follow what, uh, what, he's, what, uh, what he has prescribed to us in the Word of God, amen? And uh, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. We'll just mention that. We'll come back uh, uh, well, we'll come back when we come back uh, from there. But, uh, uh, but the, next, the next role that the Lord gave him as being exalted. So you think about it. He wasn't, he wasn't the head of the church before the cross, right? He was the head of the church after the cross. Of course, the church didn't really exist until uh, after the cross. Which, you know, you think about it. All the Jews were supposed to just migrate from the, the uh, nation of Israel into the church, right? There was never supposed to be the church and the Jews. It was always supposed to be the Jews and the Jews became the church. And then there wasn't supposed to be any more Jews after that, right? They were supposed to just become all, all the members of the church. And still, you know, their lineage still is valuable and they, they could have still kept some of those things that uh, the Lord had their hand upon them as a nation, but they were supposed to be the church. And then Jesus was put the head of them. 
which would have made all the Pharisees really mad then, right? And now you're my boss. You know, I just hung you on the cross yesterday. Now you're my boss? Oh, yeah. Uh, and he is. Is he all their bosses? Yeah, he's the other boss, right? Uh, but here in, in Hebrews chapter 3, it says in verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession or confession, Christ Jesus. So the next two roles that the Lord gave to Jesus after he was exalted was now he's uh, now the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now we knew that he stood in the office of the apostle in general because, uh, uh, because he operated in that, in that, from the New Testament apostles, uh, uh, apostolic anointing. We know that he did that you know, as far as the work that he did. Uh, but the high priest is a little bit different because, uh, and we're not going to go into a lot of it. You can go, I mean, you can go, you want to talk about getting buried in a, in a long time. You go to the book of Hebrews, start reading about the high priest. Uh, I mean, you'll just get, uh, it, it's all great. But um, the high priests in the Old Covenant came from the, the tribe of Levi, right? Aaron's tribes, right? So Aaron and Moses, were, were their tribe was a tribe of Levites, and the high priests always came from that tribe. But what tribe did Jesus come from? Judah, Judah right? So there's nothing in the Old Testament that says the high priest comes from the tribe of Judah. They always came from the, from the, the Levitical priesthood. And uh, so all the priests came from the tribe of Levi, but then the high priest came from the family of Aaron. So specifically Aaron's uh, bloodline was the high priest. So not just Levites, but also limited to just uh, uh, Aaron's bloodline was the high priest. But then Jesus comes along and, uh, and, and the Lord just messes everything up. Well, yeah, I still want you to be a high priest. Yeah, but there's nothing in the Old Testament of that. So I wrote it. That's my, my law. I can do whatever I want to, right? Uh, uh, there's no law that says they can only come when I decide to change things that I, I have to go back that way and do it. And so so I want to spend a little time when we come back uh, looking at what do those two positions mean for us, right? So we know the head of the church, that's kind of important to us, amen? Uh, he runs the church, how he sees fit, who he exalts, amen? And, and uh, just one other point on that, on, on, the, uh, on the church. Um, you reckon every pastor in the world is perfect? You reckon there's any pastor in the world that's perfect? I mean, I know I'm perfect, but any other pastor besides me, right? Uh, no, I'm not perfect, right? Ask my wife. She can give you a whole list of things. Amen. Uh, but uh, who, who does that pastor answer to? Primarily to Jesus. I know, you know, we, you know and there's a balance to everything because Ephesians 5.21 is still true, right? Submit yourselves one to another. That means that even as a pastor, there's a certain level of submission that I do to you. Because if it's one to another, it's still one to another, whether it's a pastor and sheep or whatever. Amen. So the balance to everything, but do you think the Lord is, 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 is capable of taking care of the pastor if he gets out of line? You know, some people really think that it's their job to go and correct the pastor all the time, uh, and they feel like it's their role. Uh, and, the, you know, there's no role in the body of Christ for that, right? Just like it's not my role to correct you all the time. You know, if, if I know something about you, some error that you're doing, it's not my job to run around and you know, point my finger at you all the time, and yet some people feel like it's that way. I always felt like when, when I was with my pastor that even though he was not a perfect man, that it's between him and the Lord. And if the Lord sees fit to let him continue in that path, then the Lord will see fit to continue in the path. And the Lord actually did not, right? He ended up dying young. He died when he was 53 years old. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I believe it was because of decisions and choices he made that caused his life to come to an end early. Uh, but that's the Lord's doing. It's none of my business, right? I, you know, I always prayed mercy for him and asked the Lord to bless him and increase him. I never was, Lord, yeah, Lord, get him out now. Uh, I wish he was here, and I look forward to seeing him, amen? Uh, and so, 
So we're going to look at the role of what the apostle high priest, we're going to spend a lot of time in it because, like I said, we can get buried into all the types and shadows of that, and, and um, those things are intellectually interesting sometimes, but um, we want to find out what the value of knowing that is for us today. Amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. And so, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. We thank you, Father, that you've created the church and that you're the head of it. And, and Father, we're good with that. We are, we are perfectly fine with you being the head of the church. And so we yield to you, Father. And whatever the head of the church has dictated that we as, as members of the church are supposed to do, we'll, we will gladly and humbly do those things, whatever we find in your word, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you all the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Looks like our um, TVs are working okay. Can you guys read that okay? Yeah, we're uptown, you know. Um, and so, um, um, do you like how the uh, sign turned out over there? I think it turned out all right. Amen. There was a little wrinkle there. I'd already sent them an email. Hey, come fix the wrinkle. I would run a happy, you know, I may not be able to sleep tonight because of that wrinkle there, but no, I'll sleep just fine. Amen. Uh, but um, come ahead and uh, Jared, let's get ready to receive the, this evening's offering. And... Um, Appreciate y'all's faithfulness in giving, amen? Uh, as we give, the Lord said that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give it to our bosom. And we give, but we don't give to get things from the Lord. We give because we love Him, amen? Uh, and uh, we're thankful for the things that He's provided to us. Uh, and so Jared uh, received the offering there. And so don't forget um, um, Sunday, church meal, right? We'll, we'll have guests from the fire department come and uh, looking forward to that. And um, also, you know, I want to thank everybody who's able to come out today and help clean. Uh, you know, the uh, contractors, they clean like a 12-year-old boy, right? You tell the 12-year-old boy to clean his room, and you go up there, and, and it looks like a bomb goes off. And what'd you do? I cleaned up. You know, you should have seen like what it looked like before I got cleaned it, you know? And you should have seen it before they cleaned, which it was, it was horrendous. It was just less horrendous when, when they got done, right? And so, but thanks for coming, because it's a lot. I mean, you've got to spend a lot of hours cleaning it. Uh, and um, uh, it means I don't have to clean eggs. I can do other things, amen? And so I uh, appreciate y'all's faithfulness in doing that. So, and we probably will have to have another cleaning day when they get everything buttoned up and, and to get it all sparkly and clean and, and uh, be good, amen? All right, we'll be blessed, and, and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday.